every sports fan has an opinion. Well, these are ours. Ours. Welcome to Brock and Pep's unsportsmanlike convo. And here are your hosts, Brock Fleming and Pep Cariotti. Good evening, everybody. <laughs> December 29th, 2020. <laughs> Joining me is P-Dog in the house. This is our last show of 2020. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> was, that the ex- was that the extended version? Of the intro? No, of, the, uh, of that horn. Do it again. Oh, I think it's... Uh... Give me a horn. <laughs> No, the second horn is is shout out happy birthday to the the big boss man of Cap City Beats. Kwame turned the big 4-0 UB40 yesterday. Had a big set. I don't know if you tuned in or not like that, but he was uh he was DJing his little heart out in his uh in his little home studio there. And I, I tell you, he was throwing some uh, some good old school jams there. It was a lot of fun to listen to. That's pretty cool, eh? Those guys can really rock it. They're Soka Saturdays. Have you ever listened to those guys? On and off, yeah. Pretty good, man. That's uh, Kwame. You got a great thing going here. I love it. I love uh, the diversity and uh, yeah, man. Speaking of diversity, we got a lot, we got a ton of stuff to talk about today. So, uh, Brock, how was your holidays? Holidays were good. I mean, all things considered, we're dealing with uh, unprecedented times. You know, it's uh, we went to essentially another lockdown. Um, I did see my father for uh, Christmas Eve, so the lockdown started on Boxing Day. Um, we went over to my father's place, celebrated Christmas there as normal as we could. Um, but essentially, that was it. Um, my mom had swung by and dropped gifts off for the kids and stuff. And we did a virtual uh, present opening with them. And uh, same with my in-laws. We did sort of like a they, they did a quick drop into all the families, but kept their distance. We made sure that we had a little uh, spot in the house, just inside the house where you know we were able to keep our distance by a good 12 feet just to make sure they were comfortable. We all wore masks um, so that we can see everybody, but uh, it was, it was different. Like, again, yeah. you make the best out of the situation that we're in, but um, you know, it's, it's just, it's weird to say the least. So did how'd you guys do? Did you guys deal with well, it any differently than we did? Well, we took, I mean, in Quebec, it's, I'm not sure if, uh, well, Quebec's a little stricter. I feel like, uh, I feel like they're on top of things in terms of uh, wanting to get ticket, give tickets out, and and they encourage the public to uh, report on any, on any suspicious behavior. So we were very, very careful. You're allowed from a single family home. You're allowed to visit somebody who's also living in a single family. So my mom lives alone. I was able to go visit her really uh, without any problems. We wore masks. Uh, my sister then took uh, went to visit her, and then we all took turns essentially just going to visit her. Uh, throughout christmas eve and christmas day it was peculiar for sure it was odd like you couldn't even give your mom a hug like yeah. i mean we had to give my mom the old elbow like it was awkward you know and um it's even it's even more awkward knowing you don't have covid and you still have to behave like that however you know you could be asymptomatic and all that stuff so we we yeah. just we just aired aired on the side of caution and uh uh it was it, preference like you know yeah. if your mom was comfortable and she wanted a hug you'd you'd have hugged her Oh, for sure, for sure. With it, or didn't want to risk anything, then you don't, and you just respect everybody's boundaries to a point. Well, that's the thing, and in the the one of the one of the kindest scary things about the new strain is that it's e- more easily transmittable. So that's the scary part of it. It's the same. It's essentially the same virus. It's just it spreads easier. So we still have to be careful. The vaccine is out. Everybody, just be vigilant and uh, let's get through this. Please, 
let's just get through this next couple of days. Uh, 2021 is around the corner. We're almost there. <laughs> like, let's nothing. Nothing bad can happen in three days. Correct? Please. I'm sure I just oh. jinxed it. Oh, for sure. And I wish I had a soundbite for like you're an idiot, but <laughs> it. Uh... <laughs> Perfect. Right, close enough. Anyway. Close enough. <laughs> I love that one. Look, 2021 um, is not the cure for COVID. Uh, no. So, you know, let's just hopefully make a better 2021 than it was in 2020. And, um, you know, it's just, it's a new age we live in now. But anyway, let's, again, be vigilant, um, vigilant and let's get through this. Absolutely. And it, it's like one of those things where if you're, if you're on the fence with everything, just try and balance science with your own philosophy. Just try to find a balance. You don't have to go all the way on one side or the other. Uh, you know, I tend to lean more towards science, but that's me. So anyway, we're not doctors. We're not here to be doctors. We're here to talk sports. And that's, that's what we do best. And um, huh, there's a lot to talk about considering there's only three days left in the year. There's, there's a lot going on right now. Um, the San Diego Padres are uh, making some serious noise. They they know that they need more pitching in order to compete with the Dodgers. It seems like it's the Dodgers and everybody else in the NL, um, just money-wise and uh, financially, they're in a better position. But the San Diego Padres, in the last couple of days, have pulled an Alex Anthopoulos and just hammered out massive, massive prospects to two different teams in order to acquire Blake Snell from the Tampa Bay race, which I am not sweating at all because thank you. Get him out of the AL, AL East. Um, they picked up Blake Snell for a handful of prospects. And uh, they also just picked up today. Yu Darvish, a uh, former Cy Young winner, if I'm not mistaken, from the Chicago Cubs. He was their ace this year. It was a shortened season. Uh, again, for a handful of prospects, uh, I don't think anybody on the on the physical San Diego roster. But I mean, when you deplete your your roster like that, you're going for it. And you know they've got a window with some of their young talent, Tatis and Machado, and some of those guys, Tommy Pham. I guess they're I guess they're going for it, Brock. Yeah, they're going for it. And you know, we talked about it a little bit on the uh, the Facebook page. The Padres are going from a very decent rotation to an elite rotation mm-hmm. very quickly. And we both know what happens when you have good pitching and they already got, you know, some very good young talent. Um, and I, I don't know, this may just be the missing piece, but I, that I'm excited to see how competitive they get. I like the Padres. You know what I mean? Or I don't dislike. Yes. Uh, same here. I think, uh, I think you've frozen my man. Looks like I'm flying solo here for a second until Brock fixes his uh, technical difficulties. But yeah, well, to Brock's point, um, it's a young team and they're going for it. And I like them too. They're exciting. Fernando, Fernando Tatis uh, Jr., son of Fernando Sr., who hit four home runs in an Still inning once. Me? Yeah, they're ba- are you back? Yes. What was that? He throws on us. And I, uh, I, I grabbed the bull by the horns, Brock, and I was talking about... Fernando Tatis's dad, who hit four home runs in an inning once for the uh, St. Louis Cardinals. Um, you're talking about how exciting they are and young. Fernando Tatis Jr. is a very, very exciting player. Uh, a five-tool guy. Can steal bases, play the defense. Um, anyway, welcome back. Good on you. Hopefully the listeners with the app, because the app goes through my system, so I probably wouldn't have picked that up. So hopefully uh, it was my voice for the for that aspect. Anyway, 
Never I want to, before, so no clue why that's working. Anyway, uh, Brock, I want to ask you this because I I bring up Anthopolis obviously because of what he did in 2015 and 2016. You know, picking up Tulowitzki and David Price, and he gave up a lot, right? But um, <clears throat> I, I want to ask you, completely flip flipping the uh, the script here. What what home run? You know, here's a home run that doesn't get as much publicity as the Bautista home run, and Bautista's home run didn't win the game for them. I mean, it it did ultimately, but it it wasn't like a walk off. Right. Edwin Encarnacion's Encarnacion's home run the year after in the wild card game against the Orioles was a walk off. Right. But we don't see that home run as often as we see the the Bautista. Now, is it because of the the inning and how that inning transpired with all the madness? Uh, because that home run was just as big, if not bigger. Yeah, I mean, from a, a sheer game standpoint, I mean, it was a walk-off. Uh, I think it was tied, right? It was 1-1. 1-1, tied, he hit a home run, solo shot. The way the Texas game played out, so the 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 air, oh. um, you know, hitting the guy's hand, who you know, and is he in the batter's box? Is he not in the batter's box? Deemed it was. It was an error, you know. A, Run scores. It's Ruffman Odor. We'll talk about him later, but he's on my list. So he comes <laughs> oh, in. Oh, I forgot him. Damn he it. comes in and scores. A little rat-looking guy. Right. Um, you know, there's there's words back and forth. There's, um, you know, guys yelling at each other. And it's baseball. So there's no fighting, right? Or there's not supposed to be any fighting. Right. So how do you, like, get back? You know, now it's you're down – I think two runs maybe at that point. Um, and it's just like, you know, you want to, you just want to grab the Rangers by the neck and whatever. And it's just, it's so much frustration. And then when he hits that home run, it's just like, it was just a release. Like it was awesome. And yeah. it was all of that extracurricular stuff that kind of came to play. And then for him to basically like throw up a big, you know, whatever, and just jack the ball for a three-run shot to take the lead. It's in the seventh. Um, like, just the, I don't know, that atmosphere at Rogers' place, I think that was louder than Encarnacion's. Yeah, it's great, Encarnacion hit the home run, but they weren't down. They weren't. They didn't have that big dip already of like, oh, my God, we're going to let this slip away, all this kind of crap, and then bring it back up. It was, yeah. you know, Encarnacion was a bit more like, hey, we just need to, orchestrator run and we could win this there was just so many highs and lows with the bautista one that makes it epic i'd have to i mean i've got nothing to add to that that's exactly how i feel it was like a a punt it was like a a collective punch that he threw on behalf of the the entire stadium and uh it was remarkable and you're talking about russell martin throwing the ball back to the pitcher it hits the the kim who's in the in the batter's box the ball ricochets by rule the batter can advance the runner on third can advance which he did they reviewed it. Everyone went nuts. They threw beer cans on the uh, on the field. It was mad. It was crazy. Uh, it's it's probably the best sports. Um, well, yeah, Leonard's shot was pretty great too. Uh, anyway, that's a whole other show. But the, it was one of the, that like boom, boom, boom. It's remarkable. Going in, this one was like as soon as he hit it, and it was just like I hope something good happens. And as soon as he hit it, this is the one where I was eating dinner before before <laughs> we had the rentals and the TV was kind of in behind. My kids were young, and I was sitting at the t- at the seat facing the TV while we're having supper because we're all eating at the thing. 
and Bautista hits that home run. I smacked the table so hard and screamed. Jackson burst out into, into tears, 100%. Sabina's <laughs> like, I don't ever want to watch sports with you again. And I'm just, you know, up and high. You know, anyway, it was again, that low to a high in a just an instant is what yeah. made it that much better. I only bring it up because I saw that home run today on a one, uh, one of Sportsnet's top 10 or top 50 plays. And uh, mm-hmm. I thought, boy, that was pretty great. And, you know, Baltimore didn't put in Zach Britton, who was lights out that year. They put in another guy. His name yeah. slips my mind, a righty. And obviously that cost him the game. Anyways, uh, we digress. World Juniors are on right now. Team Canada is playing Switzerland. They're up 2 nothing right now. Now, they've had a cakewalk. The first game was against Germany, who was uh, just riddled with COVID. Very I mean, ended. Five defensemen, nine forwards. So you got three lines, and then your defenseman short. Brutal. I don't care if they're young. It's brutal, right? Yeah. The speed of the game, it, that's tough. Um, so that was a cakewalk. I think it was like 16-2, to two, if I'm not mistaken. Like, terrible. Um, then they, they beat the Slovaks yesterday. Uh, Slovakia has never beaten Canada in World Cup, World Junior play. And now they're playing the Swiss, who I think are a little more competitive uh, compared to the other teams. But, I mean, is, is this good or bad that Canada's first opening round games are um, – uh, well, they've been cakewalks, really? It's par for the course. Like, uh, actually, they're in Group A this year. and Most of the time they've been in Group B, which generally has – like, I'm trying to think of who's in their think, group this year. I think fin- Finland's the only team that I can think of that's Finland, any – Sweden? Is Sweden in Group A? No. Because I know normally Czech, Russia, states, Sweden are all Group B. Like it's generally mm-hmm. a stronger group. So they're an A this year. I'm not sure why, but um, actually I don't even know how they choose those groups to be honest. Mm-hmm. But I think it's especially a sixteen to two. You know, the Slovak game was a bit tighter, and they kind of had to uh, tighten up and, and just play to to get through the game. So they ended up winning three to one or something, but it was one nothing for the longest time. Tonight they're playing Swiss. The Swiss are not great. And it was only 2-0, I think, after. I think, I don't know. I, I don't think it's great when you start off that much, especially the very first game. It's just such a – and you're always you're already overhyped. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I got guys that we know mutually that are like, put money on Canada every single time because they've only ever had, I think the most was like maybe 10 first-round picks on their team. And this yeah. year is like 19 or something 19. like that. So it's yeah. – He's just like, it, they're just going to be that much more dominant. Yeah. And um, they haven't really lived up to that. I mean, their captain went out with, you know, dainty wrist syndrome or whatever. Like I saw the hit and it was nothing, but his wrist ended up looking like a, the letter S. Mm-hmm. He's out for four to five oh. months with the wrist surgery. Um, you know, I'm sure the Blackhawks are super happy about that. But, you know, <laughs> there's just uh, one guy gets suspended. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird feeling this year. So yeah. uh, I'd be curious to see if it's just – if it's almost too much hype and they're just trying to, um, I don't know, sleep through it almost. It's I, weird. I find, uh, oh, a, a, I love their jerseys tonight. They're wearing those, the ones they wore against Germany, red with a beautiful, that's a, it's like a hybrid of like old school and new school. Super yeah. nice. They're up three, nothing now. Um, f- for me, the, the only positive I could say out of this is these guys don't play with each other. So they've got, it's like three games to, to develop some chemistry, but you can get overconfident scoring 16 goals. Uh, and then when you play a team like the U S or Russia, you know, things can get a little hairy there. So uh, I'm hoping that they take all this. And their coach seems to be like, listen, we, we're not taking any shifts off here. We need to develop some chemistry. Uh, we're not going to stop shooting because we're up 15 to nothing because we need to uh, 
uh, develop these good habits. So I like I like what he's saying. Actually, I like how the direction they're going in. And so this could work to their benefit. I'm trying to be optimistic about it. This could work to their benefit that they're destroying these first three teams here. But uh, I always look forward to the World Juniors. It seems like the World Juniors this year is like a microcosm of like all of sports this year. We're happy it's here, but it's not quite the same. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, NFL going into the final weekend. You want to do our sponsor first? Should we, should we, yeah, you know what? Yeah, let's, yeah, let's do that. Let's do that before we get too far ahead of ourselves here. Yes. All right. Today's show, December 29th, the last show of 2020, is brought to you by a world class wealth builder, Sophia Jeeves. Sophia can help your money make money. Call her today at 613 818 1723. And I don't know about you. I want my money to make money. So me too. At some point she's getting a phone call from, from Rocky, how to figure this out. <laughs> hey, you a new backdrop there, bud? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes and no, I've moved over to, uh, to on my couch further to the right. <laughs> so that's, for, for, okay. that's pretty much it. And I've got this uh, green thing behind me. That seems to be pretty cool. So, uh, you know, yeah, I guess that's, uh, All right. All right. Uh, I, I'm assuming you have a new backdrop because I actually asked you about it earlier thinking it was electronic, but it's just a throw. Yeah, actually, it's a uh, – basically, this is my uh, Christmas gifts from my father. I love it. Like, <laughs> I got a big Florida Gator king-size uh, – what do you call it? Comforter thing on top? Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's got all the different logos and their national championship stuff on it. Anyway, it's massive. It's pretty nice. I love it. Uh, so I threw it up in the back there. And then uh, uh, the you know, the big one was – I don't know if you we talked about it before, but my agent from whatever, 15 years ago – messages me and says, Hey, I was shopping on the Alouette's website in their boutique and they got some of these old school jerseys that are for sale and your game worn Al's Jersey with your name still stitched into it is there for sale. Of course I sent that, you know, link out to everybody I know saying, how cool is this? And then not 15 minutes later, I had Mike, our director slash producer who is on vacation. I hope he's having a great time. Uh, messaged me and said, uh, it's gone. She gone. What? <laughs> of course. You know, Pops bought it and gave it to me for Christmas. So she's hanging up in the background. I got to work on uh, – there's a guy in Kingston, I think, that frames jerseys or something. Anyway, I'll have uh, some nicer and, and put it in the back. But, uh, yeah, that's – That's yeah. a that's a, what a great thoughtful gift. And it's uh, – I'm glad you have a memento. Oh, my God. I mean, you were – that's a, it's amazing stuff. That was a big deal back then, man. I mean, remember, remember telling all my friends, my buddy got drafted by the Alouettes. And uh, am- amazing stuff. Um, we'll get into college football in a in a, actually a few minutes. You can talk more about Florida in a second here. The NFL is going into the final week. Are you surprised that the Jets have lost, um, knowing that they were basically uh, in a position to draft uh, Trevor Lawrence? You mean, am I surprised that they they're winning? I'm, 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 I'm yes, sorry, yes. Are you surprised that they've they've won these last two games? I mean. It, it's a testament to them. I'm happy that they're trying. I mean, you know, oftentimes these teams will just say, you know, forget it. Let's we'll just tank and get the highest draft pick we can get. So, like, what's the deal? Are you are Jets fans have a right to be frustrated? Um, no. Any Jet fan that's going to like put up a stink because their team is winning a game. Um, I wish I had a Herm Edwards clip. You play to win the game. You know, even <laughs> yeah. for those who don't follow uh, JJ Watt on Twitter. Go follow him. He's got a. He basically talks to them about who's there and who's not, and how bad of a season that they're having, 
and that he expects guys to show up and do their jobs and, and play a game that they are getting paid a lot of money to do. And I think that's what's happening with the Jets. And what a lot of times happen with teams that aren't doing well, <clears throat> you know, they start trading some people away, you know, Bell and all those kind of things are gone. Um, you have guys that aren't living up to expectations. They're hurt. They're whatever. And these filler guys are getting a, a shot. Well, don't tell a filler guy, a replacement, a guy who's getting his opportunity to not go 110% because we want to draft some other dude in the first round. No, these guys are out there and they are playing their butts off for a job for next season. They know they're not in the playoffs, but that tape, that game film that they're creating right now is their resume for whether or not they're going to have a job next season. So these guys are playing above their heads. They're playing with a, a lot of passion and heart and they're having a lot of fun and yeah. you know, other teams go in there and maybe they have nothing to prove. You know, they're already in a certain spot in the playoffs or, you know, they take them too lightly. And, and that's what happens is yeah. guys win, but it's, um, it, it's, you got to respect the fact that these guys are going out there and playing for their professions for their jobs. Hundred percent, and they came out last week, and they 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 uh, stuck it to the Browns. And the this isn't the Browns. Yes, the Browns were decimated with COVID uh, wide receivers. I get it, but they still had uh, you know Kareem Hunt, and they still had Chubb. They still had their offensive line. I mean, they could they could and should have won that game. They still had Njoku and Hooper and uh, some of these guys at tight end. They could have devised a game plan that still would have been successful. So kudos to the Jets for coming out and playing hard. I I like to see that. I mean. You know, as a as a Steelers fan, the Browns were a game behind us, uh, and I thought to myself, "Well, we're going to lose to the Colts, and the Jets are for sure going to lose to the Browns because it's the Jets." So they came out, did us a favor, and played hard. So kudos to them. How how bad is it for the league, though, for a a, a player, a generational talent like Trevor Lawrence, who could potentially change any franchise he gets drafted to? How bad is it for the league that he goes to a place like Jacksonville, who's who's been notoriously cheap? Let's remember. It's only three years ago, 2017, where Jacksonville was like a quarter away from making the Super Bowl with Blake Bortles and Ramsey and all those guys on defense. They came in, they kicked the Steelers' butt, and then they they almost beat the Patriots in New England if it wasn't for a debacle in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Since then, all those guys are gone. Fournette's gone. Bortles was really not not a non-factor, but the, all those guys on defense, Calais Campbell, they're all gone. And that's, I think it's it's just because they're a cheap franchise, notoriously cheap over the years. So my question to you is, how is it bad for the league for Trevor Lawrence to go get drafted to a team like Jacksonville? Um, that speaks a lot to the way the league is, if it is a bad thing that it goes to Jacksonville. Because teams that aren't good are supposed to have higher draft picks and they're supposed to get better. So it may be something speaking to the league of like, you know, there's an understanding here that if you're getting guys like this, you need to also invest and say, look, we're bringing some of these guys back now. So you saved a lot of money by by selling off all your talent after a couple of years ago. And now you're saying, you know what, we're banking or we're, we're going to be drafting this generational quarterback in the first round. The league's got to be like, look, you can't just throw him into the – uh, dumpster fire you have right now on the field, you got to put some money into it and be and bring some respect to this team and to the league by reinvesting and saying, you know what, now we have a guy, fine. We weren't on the on the brink. Now we got a, a, a quarterback in there. Let's put some talent around him and let's go. 
And I think that that should be something from the league and from the owners group uh, to make sure that there is that parity. Otherwise, why even have a franchise in Jacksonville in the first place? Absolutely. We see it too much in baseball, too. Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, they, they finally look half decent for a year, and now they've traded away anybody who's anybody. So, uh, you know, we see a little bit of that in Jacksonville. You're bang on. Reinvest. You owe it to your fans. Uh, I mean, they're loyal fans in Jacksonville. Apparently, it's a pretty cool football market. Um, NFL adding a 17th week next year. 17-game season. You like it? Dislike it? I mean, you're shortening the preseason then, I'm assuming by a game. I'm assuming they're gonna do I'm assuming that's by two games, I would imagine. I mean, from a player's perspective, that's not great. From a fan's perspective, it's better. Um I don't know. I'm kinda I I'm not for or against it to be honest, but from a player's perspective, you're like, Great, that's another game. Like our salaries are based on how many games we play. Mm-hmm. So like a guy like Aaron Rodgers' salary, he could break it down into his 16 games and say, This is what I'm getting paid every game, mm-hmm. yada yada. I don't do the preseason other than a couple of, you know, maybe a half here or there. Now mm-hmm. it's 17. So does my salary go up? Does you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. those salaries are negotiated based on uh certain amount of games in the regular season, the playoffs doesn't count towards your salary. You get bonuses for that from the league. Mm-hmm. So now it's 17. Do you got to rejig all the contracts to yeah. account for that extra game? Stuff like that, that, that may come up. I don't know. It's interesting. Uh, you nailed it though. As a fan, you're excited as a player. That's another week of, of violence, right? Like it, if you've never played the game of football and uh, okay, I, I didn't play university or college, but I remember how sore I was as a kid. As a 17-year-old playing in a in a high school all-star game in Montreal on turf, I was I remember this like it was yesterday. I was sore for a week playing on AstroTurf. And um, it's a violent game, and your body needs a week to recover. You do that 17 weeks in a row, maybe they add a second bye week. I don't know. I, like, I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, I'm forward as a fan. If I was a player, I'd be like, we got to talk. <laughs> so, yeah. NFL, uh, sticking with the NFL uh davis sanchez who's on tsn basically reiterated my idea about you know if you uh win a division with a sub 500 record so eight and eight you're good seven and nine six and ten you are susceptible to losing your playoff spot even if you win your division to a team that has a, a better record than 500 um i love the idea it would be a simple fix I know we don't see this every year, but the NL, uh, NL, the um, NFC East is awful. Yeah, I mean Dallas, if they win the division at like six and ten, are going to host a playoff game. How is that? And the Cardinals, who've had a decent season, might be looking in. Uh, how is that fair? It's not. Um, you know, I I get why they did it initially, but. They don't play all their games against divisional rivals. You play against a bunch of people. You play them more often. That's fine. But you got to have a winning record. And I think it should be along the lines of the same with college football, where, you know, the Bulls, you could be, you can win your conference technically, but if you don't have at least six wins that season, you do not qualify for a bowl game. Agreed. So, same idea. 50, you know, if you're not over 500, we don't want to see in the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah, so, I'm with you. Strength the schedule. So, 
have it set up that way. And then, yeah, you have crossovers or, um, you know, it's a, it's an extra wild card for other divisions. If this conference can't shell out a, a team over 500, then that conference is just not represented in the playoffs and, yep. tough, you know, yep. nobody wants to see it anyway. Yeah. I'm with you hundred percent there. And, you know, it could be one of those situations where, you know, the NFL is now showing the uh, flexibility to change some of its, I mean, by adding a 17th week this year, they've added an extra playoff team. So, like, they're showing some flexibility. Maybe they revisit this. Who knows? That being uh, said, if the Cowboys get into the playoffs this year, I won't be upset because there's two guys from Ottawa on the team and a kid from Toronto and a long snapper from Montreal. There's a lot of Canadian content in Dallas. Um, so I wouldn't be upset for those guys to make the playoffs, but I'll say this about Dallas. And I know I talked about this with your brother last night, actually, and he kind of laughed at me. Uh, and I, it, you know, it sounds ridiculous, but I wouldn't want to play them talent all over the field, certainly at the wide receiver position. Zeke Elliott is, uh, he, you don't just fall off the planet that quickly. He's still capable offensive line, still strong. Um, Andy Dalton's has some experience. Mike McCarthy has a Super Bowl. I mean, yep. there's there's talent there to make some noise. Do they deserve to be in the playoffs at six and ten? Considering who they've beaten, they've probably beaten the Giants twice. And I mean, I don't know. I'm not. That's not for me to judge. But uh, I wouldn't. That's a team out of all the all the East teams that I maybe wouldn't want to play. But anyways, all those East teams, I would say, are potentially dangerous on a great day. Um, we got a question from a Facebook uh, user. 16 okay. game season equals eight home games and eight road games. Yes. How do you decide what teams host that extra game? Extra home games equals a ton of extra money for those owners. That's mm. a very good point. If it's that 17, who's getting the, the home one? It must be something where they rotate it every year or something. It might be a, a home and home. You get a home game this year. Next year you get somebody else gets a home game. I don't know. That's Who's it. Start getting the home game in 2021 because those may not be open to everybody still. That's Fascinating question. I didn't even think about that. That is something we'll look into and hopefully have an answer for you uh, on the next show in 2021. And That's I a great. Our director in the background telling me who wrote it. So if you don't sign into the app or give approval, I think to Streamyard to show your name, we don't see it. So Facebook user, shout out. That's great. That's a phenomenal <laughs> question. And, great question. Uh, we're gonna look into it. Wow. Um, really good question. I'm not going to spend a ton of time because we're already at the 30 minute mark and we've got our, uh, we're just going to a year in review. I mean, it's going to, it won't take very long. Essentially. Then we've got our top five list, but I, I did want to talk about the Raptors first couple of games. They're playing right now, actually, uh, against Philadelphia in Philly, which I, it's just not a good matchup for Toronto. Um, I'm going to grade them a C minus in the first two games. Again, uh, NBA dealing with a very, very short off season, like the shortest in history. These guys don't look like they have their ball legs underneath them, but everyone's going through the same thing. I, I'm not liking what I'm seeing out of Toronto, and it has nothing to do with not having Marcus All or Ibaka. It's they're they're plagued with the same issues that they had in the bubble playing the Celtics. You got guys that are getting to the hoop uh, on the on the opposing team. They're getting to the hoop too easily, not even to the hoop, just to the paint. So they're beating their man initially one-on-one on the perimeter and getting to the paint. And what that does is that draws the defense in too quickly. And you've got the uh, the opposing teams getting these uh, wing threes um, way too easy. Uh, we That's a serious problem. They they lost to the, to the Pelicans by 20. Uh, sorry, by 15. And they lost to the Spurs the other night. 
and both games were the same issues. Siakam, I mean, the ball's not moving. Siakam's trying to get his. He's trying to force it. Um, Van Vliet got paid. He's putting up some ill-advised shots. I'm not liking what I'm seeing. Powell has been atrocious. If they're going to make a deal uh, to improve or to get a guy like Harden, I mean, it, it, it may happen sooner than later if we don't see an improvement here. Now, they've got the Sixers tonight. They've got the Knicks. Uh, the uh, Knicks had a big win. They beat Milwaukee by 25 last night. Um, they're not very good still. And then they got the Pelicans again. So you got three games in a row where, you know, if they could be 0-5. We start to press the panic button, Brock? Um, Yeah, realistically. And not because they're 0-5, just because of the way they're losing and the way they look on the court more than anything. You can lose games and still be playing well and saying, you know what, the, they'll hit those shots and they'll start getting a rhythm and that's fine. But they're just not on the same level uh, from a, a gelling-wise, from a, a – yeah scheme wise even just it's just not there and that's what the, what's concerning not so much the results it's just the product on and the eye test on the core you say these guys are not where they need to be uh, we need to make some changes agreed and i you know i it's five nothing canada by the way I, i'm concerned that there's two they're too small um they're too small in the backcourt i never liked the idea of starting larry and van vliet but what are you going to do they're both starter uh quality guys so anyway we'll talk more about the raptors as the season progresses they're only this is game number three i mean this could all flip the switch if they beat philly tonight philly's a very good team uh james harden situation well, i won't get in too much into that he's it's a hot mess in houston they lost by uh, 25 last night they're zero and three they're dealing with some covid stuff but he's unhappy he's throwing basketballs at guys in practice He's been chirping with every coach. Apparently, he just hasn't been a good teammate this year, uh, and he's he's uh, asked for a trade. He, he's uh, not following COVID protocol. You know, he's not doing himself any favors by acting like this because he is a top five scorer in the NBA, whether you like him or not, whether he plays defense or not, whether all this and that. The guy puts the basket, the ball in the basket, as good as anybody in the NBA. Point final gets to the basket. Gets can shoot threes from basically anywhere across half court. He's a guy you want on your team as a scorer. So issues there. You like Harden? I'm not a big fan. Um, so no. Um, <laughs> you know your comments last time about him being a really good fit in Toronto and how Nurse's offense would work and how he would uh, probably thrive in that offense. Mm-hmm. You know, excited me a little bit. If he was there, I'd be excited <laughs> because he can score. Um, he can score. I'm not a. I'm not a huge. I'm not a big Harden fan. No. Fair. Uh, I'm going to save my Steelers review for another day. Um, uh, okay, well, I'm going to ask you this question then. Yes. Based on the Steelers, so this week, sure. they start Mason Rudolph at quarterback. I don't like it. Hypothetically speaking, he goes out and has a great game. And then uh, no. one, they're like, hey, you know what? Ownership wants to put Mason in. <laughs> what do you do as a fan, as a Steeler fan? Well, we're not the Buffalo Bills, number one. Uh, it's not Rob Johnson and Doug Flutie. Uh, no, no. I, a, I don't like it. They, they finally had – they only played one good half of football this week, and they were lucky enough to pull out a win. But So one good half of football over the course of the last four weeks, not good enough. And I now you're – with. And, you know, look, you got to develop some chemistry. This could have been a really competitive game because Cleveland is needs to win to make the playoffs if they lose their out. So it's a must win for Cleveland. It's a chance to, uh, and you might see them in the first round. It's a chance to develop some more chemistry. You're just now, look like 
built a little bit of momentum. Now they're going to sit. They're going to virtually sit everybody. I'm I'm sure. If Big Ben's going to sit. If he's sitting, then you know for sure. Uh, uh, Claypool's not going to get that many reps. Uh, Johnson, Watt for sure. So I don't know if I like this move from a chemistry perspective. Then you got to host a game immediately the week after. I don't know. This could come back and backfire. But I understand wanting to sit Ben for sure to rest him. He's an older quarterback and. Uh, if Rudolph has it, comes out and throws for 500 yards, I don't care. He's sitting. He's, he's sitting. He's sitting the next week. Uh, that's an interesting. Oh, question. All right. So you're on record that if they do happen to start him in the first playoff game, yeah. that you are no longer a Steeler fan. Yeah. Uh, okay. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Moving on. Moving on. And I, the, well, I just want to let everybody know what I wanted to talk about Steelers wise. We'll just we'll get to it some other time. Is um, their their defense is decimated with injury, and that's some of the issues over the last couple of weeks. I think it has less to do with the offense, more to do with the defense. Anyway, uh, Brock, I wanted you to have an opportunity. Before we've got we're at thirty seven minutes here. We're doing all right. Take it. Take a, the time that you need to discuss the NCAA playoff format. You've got you're having some mixed feelings now with some of the things you've been saying over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. They play. It's Friday, right? New Year's Day is when the playoffs begin. Correct. Yes, both uh, the playoff games are on Friday. Uh, there's a couple of games. There's one tonight. Miami and Oklahoma State are playing right now. Miami's quarterback went out in the second half. Florida plays tomorrow uh, in one of the major six bowls, which you know I'm excited for. But that's actually what prompted me um, to start to question my take. So from a college football standpoint, like Pierre said, I'm kind of a purist. So I – Grew up loving college football. I enjoyed the discussion. I enjoyed the debate. I enjoyed the ranking system. I enjoyed all that, those intangibles of like, how do we determine who the best college football team is? There's always something to talk about. Then they went to the four-team playoff. And I was like already kind of against it because I wanted the traditional way where actually it used to be, I think it could have been a one versus three, and then you'd have a two versus four. Then you'd have that debate as to who was better. They finally went to a one versus two, settles that um, debate. Now it's a four-team playoff. You know, even then, I think we could look at it and say it should only be um, a one and two. Really, it's Alabama and Clemson, Ohio State, um, and Notre Dame right now. Don't really have the business of being in the playoffs, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. Those should be blowouts barring a, a huge miracle of some sort on one of those teams. Um, I don't think they get passed. So it should just be saying, you know, Alabama Clemson just play and we'll know who's going to be the best, the best team. Then Florida gets into a major six bowl against Oklahoma. Um, and I'm getting all these news updates of guys that are foregoing the bowl game to focus on the NFL. So from Florida standpoint, our best Offensive weapon outside of Kyle Trask is Kyle Pitts. He said right away he's not going to be playing in the bowl game. He's focusing on the draft. Then Kadarius Tony. So if you listen to Nick Saban in that Alabama game, he's worried about number four, number and number uh, number eighty four, number one. Those two guys are now sitting out. Add another senior receiver, Grimes, is now sitting out as well. And it started making me think. I'm like, why? This is not the norm. This is yeah. not what usually happens, or at least back in the day, it didn't happen. The bowl game meant something. These guys wanted to finish their career with a bowl victory. Now what's happening is these guys have such a good resume during the season that they don't want to risk getting hurt or having a bad performance or any of that. That's why they don't do senior bowls and all those all-star games. The ones like Trevor Lawrence is not going to go do a senior bowl because he's got nothing left to prove. He's already the consensus number one pick. 
So same type of thing for everybody else. However, if Florida was at number seven and they had an 18 playoff, I think more players would stay and play and try and finish that out to win the playoff versus skipping bowl games. And that's what started to, to, to sway me a little bit thinking, you know what, like I would rather see a full, because right now I'm excited for a game tomorrow against Oklahoma where I'm like, we just lost 75% of our productivity on offense because they're going to the NFL. So what's the point? You know, you win, great. You lose, you're like, well, of course we lost. There's Where is everybody? So on that respect, the, the emphasis on bowls and the importance of those victories um, seem to be go by the wayside. If you're not in the playoffs, especially for you know these big power five, if you're not in the playoffs, it's like they don't care. Uh, people who are on the outside looking in, guys, you know, teams like, you know, Indiana or Iowa and and whatever who are not in those situations in the in the playoff hunt, they'll take those bowl games and do well. But from a Florida Oklahoma, I got to look to see who Oklahoma is not playing. But it's just. I feel like it's lacking and it scares me in terms of the, the bowl games and the, the traditions around the bowl games losing its luster. And I think it, we're going to be forced into more of a playoff thing, but yeah, where I'm at, that was my rant for today in terms of college football. But. Well, you know what? It's, it's one, it's actually a great segue to our, to our uh, sponsor again, but it's a, uh, you know, it's got, it's prote- guys protecting their stock. I can respect it. Um, yeah. I you know hey like it's it that's the problem that's the problem with college football is that you know when the game doesn't mean as much or they're not going to get their stock can't go any higher these guys are just not going to play uh, and I I get it I get it um looking forward to those games this weekend we should probably do our sponsor before we quickly run run down the uh, the uh, year in sports and our sponsor today is uh, Sophia Jeeves wealth builder. She's the chick who knows how to make your money make money. We've already talked about that, B-Boy. Fellas, get the girl. Drive the car you've always wanted. Ladies, be the superstar you deserve. Buy the clothes you want and rock that boardroom. Talk to the queen of finance herself by calling 613-818-1723 and do it today. I feel like when you do that one with like the... Yo, the girls be the superstar. I feel like we should have like Lizzo in the background or something. <laughs> oh, I like it. I like it. We'll have to confirm with Sophia to see if she would be cool with that. Um, wow. What a year it's been for sports. Uh, chronologically, Brock and I are going to go through uh, probably about a dozen, maybe uh, two dozen uh, landmark events in 2020. Sports did happen, believe it or not. And it was touch and go in the middle of summer, early spring, middle of summer. We didn't know if hockey was going to return. We didn't know if basketball was going to return. But let's just do, let's just do this thing. January 4th, Tom Brady walked off the field in New England after losing the wild card game to Tennessee. Did you ever think that that was going to be the last time he walked off Gillette Field as a Patriot? Honestly, no. I thought there's no way. I thought in Tom Brady's best interest, he doesn't leave Belichick and the Patriots. Uh, I mean, at the end of this year, it's clear now who uh, who maybe ran the show. Who ran the show? Uh, it's maybe it's I don't know. Well, I guess we'll see how Tampa does. But Ta- Tom has done really well in Tampa. Can all things considered, Tom has done really well in Tampa. Tampa has 
got their start. They've invested money into their team. Oh my god! Some quality players around them. They already had a good nucleus. Increased their defense. The Patriots lost their none of their linebackers came back. Half their defense was sitting out for the season. They got yeah. a Cam Newton experiment that they're trying to play with. They got whatever. Like again, this is a one year thing. For the one year, yes, Tom Brady was in a better position to do well. I think, you know, let's see what happens. Uh, again, yeah. there's no long-term. Tom Brady's 50, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Moving on. Hey, I will say this about the Tampa. You said that they had they were loaded, right? You know, O.J. Howard, Brait, uh, Gronkowski, decent back. Hey, Ronald Jones is number five in the league in rushing. Like, there's no slouch. Then they go ahead and get Antonio Brown. Love him or hate him. He was the best receiver in football for almost six years. So he, the guy runs impeccable routes, has great hands. I mean, he, and he's a perfect fit for them. Uh, the 13th of January, the Astros were punished for sign stealing for after they won the uh, the World Series, the, the, I guess, a few months back. On uh, the 13th, LSU went undefeated to win the national championship. <laughs> Hey, their arrival of Florida, they beat us, and that should have, you know, probably put us in the playoff, but they had a monster team. Yep. On the 25th of January, LeBron James passed Kobe Bryant all time on the score on the sorry, on the all-time scoring list. That's pretty impressive considering um LeBron James is an all-around player and Kobe Bryant was more of a scorer. So th- that's incredible stuff. Sadly, the day after, on January 26th. Uh, Kobe Bryant's helicopter crashed, um, tragically killing he and his daughter, uh, Gianna, along with seven other people. I still get goosebumps talking about it. I'm still in disbelief that he's not with us anymore. Um, I read an article today that he was actually going to leave Nike and start his own Mamba brand of uh, shoes that was owned by players. So you could, if you were a player, you could invest in the company. I thought it was the coolest thing. Um, He had some really cool things going on. And it's it really is a loss, whether you loved him as a player or not. I mean, what he was doing after basketball is pretty great stuff. Listen to a podcast, the Victory Podcast, based on Entourage, not based on Entourage. It was the cast from Entourage and the writer and stuff like that. They talk about all the different episodes. Yeah, had Jeremy Piven on for a two parter, but in the first one I was listening to, and he was talking about the engagement he had with Kobe Bryant because they would film like some of those shots yeah. are front row at Laker game stuff. Yep. So he's there and he's you know shooting the shit with Kobe and you know and Kobe's like in the middle of like games you know it's a stoppage of play or something and he'll be next to him and he was asking Piven like when you do those scenes where you're like really mad like how do you how do you how do you get into that and Piven's like how do you come down in front of you know a million people and uh you know with six seconds left on the clock and hit a three you know like how do you do that that's more and he was just like he's always learning this and that anyway it was just some kind of cool stories of yeah uh, of Kobe at that thing, but it, that was recent. I listened to that yesterday, so it's uh, yeah, it is hard to believe that. Uh, Remarkable guy, uh, spoke a ton. I spoke like seven languages. Like he, intelligent guy, worldly. He lived all, all across the world. Was a young kid. His parents, because dad was in the military, so he he had to live in different places all across the world. So anyway, uh, sad stuff. That was January twenty sixth, February second. The Chiefs beat the 49ers in what was a pretty entertaining Super Bowl. Uh, the way it looked. The Chiefs are going to be a problem in, in the NFL for years to come. The 49ers were the team that we were like, is this just a one-year wonder with these guys? You know, Garoppolo didn't look too good. So um, I'm not sure what you think in two seconds or less. What do you think about the 49ers moving forward? They're not going to make the playoffs this year. 
Was it a one-year thing with them? Did they lose too much on defense, losing Buckner to the Colts? And I think th- there's nothing for us to go on with 2020. They got too many guys. Yeah. It was the shortened season. There's they're the team that had like three people go out with ACLs or something like that in the same play. Right. So they have a good chunk of their stars go out and they're out for the season. So let's not judge 2020 uh, Niners right yet. But I have to agree uh, with you. Yeah, time will tell. February 5th, Dodgers signed Mookie Betts. Incredible signing. We had a five-tool player, maybe the best player in baseball. Mike Trout might have something to say about that. March 11th, uh, fans leave the arena in Utah during a game against OKC after Rudy Gobert tested positive for COVID-19. That was that we might look back 10 years from now when we talk about 2020 sports. That was the start of everything. I was the start of everything. I was in Mexico at the time. I was yeah. the 40th there. We were still in Mexico. And uh, you hear all the rumblings of COVID and this and that. And then it was that story yeah. uh, that, you know, a professional athlete got it um, and shut everything down. And that's when you're, it kind of, again, from a sports fan perspective, you think, oh, it's real now. And then, you know, everything kind of changed from that day forward. They stopped the game and, and fans left middle of the game. It's unheard of. Uh, March 11th, the entire NBA postponed after the incident. So they just stopped everything. The schedule was just null and void. That On March 12th, the uh, NCAA, March Madness, they canceled all their uh, pre-madness tournaments. Um, and then obviously March Madness was canceled. On March 13th, MLB suspended all spring training activities, closed all the facilities. March 24th, the Tokyo Olympics were suspended. I think we forget about that. I mean, I'm not a big Olympics guy personally. I mean, I like to watch Canada, you know, compete in some of these events, but uh, that's kind of a big deal. These 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 athletes train for four years, uh, not only to qualify, but then to like, you know, do well in the Olympics. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. Now you got five years to train. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. The, the Olympics are losing yeah. a little bit of yeah. <laughs> of appeal when, you know, again, we'll talk about another show, but, you know, yeah. the break dancing and uh, something else, skateboarding, I think that's skateboarding. Yeah, it's interesting kind of thing. They're very impressive. Yeah. But it's it's going a different direction from an Olympic standpoint. <laughs> anyway, yes. <laughs> May, uh, May 26th, NHL uh, cancels the rest of the season after halting play in March. They just said we're done. Uh, we're not going to play any more regular season games. If we if we do resume, it'll be uh, playoffs right away or a bubble or whatever. So j- June twenty second, uh, drivers stood with Bubba Wallace at Talladega uh, during the Black Lives Matter movement. That sort of a big moment for NASCAR, which is uh, and again, I'm not going to disrespect NASCAR at all, but you know who are we kidding here? Deep South, a lot of these races, um, it's a culture of whatever like it's just it doesn't fit with the black lives matter movement necessarily i'm not a nascar fan but i know people who love the stuff and love car racing in general uh and i'm certainly not generalizing but it was a big moment you don't see that often there aren't that many african-american drivers so he's kind of you know he's broken through that barrier um it was kind of a big deal racing with uh denny hamlin and michael jordan have started a racing team and he's going to be racing for them next year i mean he's break he's broken barriers it's a really cool thing to see um, let's see, where am I here? NASCAR. July 13th. 
The wa- Washington announces they're going to change. Oh, sorry. That's my birthday. I figured that's what we were going <laughs> Well, that too. But on the 13th of uh, July, Washington announced that they're going to change their f- name of their football team. Mm-hmm. Um, some people were bothered by it. I could care less. I mean, it's a, it's a football team. July 23rd, shortened MLB season. Uh, they decided on. Oh, sorry. That was Curtis's birthday. He'd be mad if I didn't. <laughs> Give the air horn for that one. Anyway, well, he'd be happy the fact that they actually had a season. They decided on sixty games, but because of the players and the owners squabbling for so many months uh, prior to, it cost them about forty games. So rather than play a hundred game season, which I think would have been a little bit cooler, they ended up playing sixty games. I, did it work in uh, Blue Jays' benefit? I don't know. What What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I think the short okay. season ended up helping them a little bit because they were kind of on a. A bit of a down. I can't remember who was going for which number. Like the the stalling tactic favored one of them. I can't remember if it was the ownership or the players for the length of games. I just can't remember who actually won in that uh, that delay. Yeah, um, that I'm not sure. I, I don't. I think money wise, the league won because 60 games. I mean, it's just uh, prorated salaries. I don't think the players got their full salary anyway. Um, we can have to find that out. Actually, that's probably what it was. It was the amount yeah. of games versus the proratedness. Yeah. And it wasn't necessarily correlated. July 30th, NBA starts the bubble. And they, they really set the precedent. They set the standard really high with this is how to do it, guys. This is how we control COVID. Uh, August 23rd, the Bucks canceled their playoff game in a protest after Jacob Blake was killed in Wisconsin. Again, huge deal, unprecedented. We, know, we haven't seen that since... Uh, I don't think we've ever seen that. Never. Um, September 5th, Mike Trout smashes his 300th home run, becoming the Angels' all-time leading home run hitter. Um, Mike Trout is awesome. That's crazy, because Pujols was a long-time Angel. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, m- mainly with the Cardinals, though, no. I think most of his home run. He's hit 661 home runs throughout his career. I think I think right now it's like a half-half, his first half with their, with St. Louis. Um, September 15th, uh, Clippers blow a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets. Thank you, uh, Denver, because I don't know if uh, the Lakers would have beaten the Clippers. And uh, I'm just being honest, Clippers were uh, a tough out. Yeah, shout-out to Serge Ibaka, too, for doing what everybody in Toronto <laughs> wanted to do after Kawhi left, is give him a little elbow. Say, you know, we don't oh. super hurt. And you'll afterwards, but he gave him a good a good shot there just to remind him that he should have stayed with Toronto last year. That was brutal. <clears throat> right in the head. Um, <laughs> that was pretty wild. 28th of September, Tampa Bay Lightning defeat uh, Dallas Stars, take the Stanley Cup uh, 4-2. I stopped watching. The hockey bubble once all the Canadian teams were out, but uh, Tampa was uh, really, really, really good. They're going to be out without uh, Kucherov all year this year, eh? Yeah, and I don't know what Stamkos' situation either. That was the most impressive thing in that Stanley Cup was when he got back into the Stanley Cup final game, played two minutes, I think it was, went down the wing, scored a wicked goal, said he heard whatever it was snap like a step or two before he shot it, and then he never stepped on the ice the rest of the, the series. But he got in, he got a goal. Crazy. Crazy stuff. Uh, October 11th, the uh, LA Lakers beat the Heat in six to win their 17th title in franchise history. Uh, also on October 11th, uh, postponed for May, Rafael Nadal won his 13th French Open title. That's crazy. I don't, I don't know how many Grand Slams he actually has altogether, but 13 French Opens. Incredible. 
Uh, October tennis was on. I used to like tennis with Agassi and stuff like that. I just oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, we're winding down here. We're October. Where are we here? October twenty seventh. Dodgers won the World Series. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays uh, in a kind of a not very exciting. November seventh, Pac twelve football returned. Most exciting thing about that uh, World Series victory is uh, what's his face, uh, the third baseman. Oh, Red. Justin Turner. Turner. I mean, now with COVID. COVID <laughs> uh, with uh, COVID at like the eighth inning, leaving, and then coming back, taking his mask off, celebrating with all his friends, kissing his wife, kidding whatever. <laughs> anyway. He's on the Jays' radar, by the way, and he's very, very good. So I don't know. I like hopefully, him. Yeah. Um, he's got COVID hanging around me. But, you know. November 13th, the Marlins hire the first female GM in uh, American sport pro sports history. That's remarkable stuff. Uh, Kim Ang. I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, so she's a new Marlins GM. And uh, lastly, on December 12th, Sarah Fuller becomes the first woman to score points in a Power 5 football conference. Uh, again, amazing stuff. This was a year of breaking barriers. Bubba Great Wallace, that's it. Um, you know, the M- Milwaukee Bucks. It's a- amazing stuff. Um, so that's the year. I mean, obviously, uh, it's since December 12th, things have happened. You've got the World Juniors. We've got the NBA starting. Uh, NHL has decided they're going to go ahead with the season starting January 16th. So there's stuff we're going to talk about. We'll, we'll get to other stuff uh, hockey-related in the next podcast as we get closer to the NHL. Maybe we'll have an NHL guest on if we can. Uh, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll send some uh, Twitter messages out to some people. But we're going to end the this show this year <laughs> on, a, on, a, on an interesting topic that I posted on our Facebook wall, um, I guess, earlier this week. Our top Brock's, Brock's going to give us his top five least favorite athletes of all time, uh, and I'm going to give you mine. And it, it, do we want to? Is Curtis still around? Do we want to? We we can go a little overtime here, even if we go over an hour. I think uh, Kwame will be okay with oh. that. It's our last. It's our it's last all. show. It's holidays. Is uh, Curtis around still? Curtis is there. You give us a thumbs oh. up if you want to come in. I'm going to bring this top ten. No, he just put it. He just wrote it. <laughs> Oh, he did write it, and there's some good ones in there. Who's Roy Mayweather? <laughs> Spell check. <laughs> all right. Well, all right. I don't know. I'm I'm assuming those are in order. You know what, Curtis? I don't know if your hair is done, but there you go. Are there he is. Hey. Oh, that's on. Lid's on. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, our executive producer, Curtis Fleming. You got to give me a heads up before you do that. From the uh, confines of home. That, that long. Okay, your top five from five to one. Five, I have Floyd Mayweather. Four, okay. Tom Brady. Three, John Rocker. Two, Sean Avery. And one, Claude Lemieux. Can I ask you, um, I mean, Tom Brady seems kind of a no-brainer because of uh, the fact that he's been in the Bills yeah. division. Okay, that's – that's. Um, uh, Sean Avery, Claude Lemieux, just greedy guys. He just did dislike the way they played or uh, – Just their uh, – I think their overall face. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. You know, the, the, the cheapness of them, the uh, – Oh, yeah. You know, the, the turtling of Claude Lemieux, he'd do something cheap and then turtle and wouldn't stick up, you know, wouldn't actually throw down with anyone, kind of just a weasel, right? Same with Avery. 
Uh, I mean, there's tons of guys like that. Uh, Gallagher, even I don't know your abs is, I just hate that yeah. style, you know, Brad Marchand. Uh, Brad Marshall. Other people have lists too, so let's not throw a bunch of names out there. Now, right. Cole the Mew was responsible for breaking Draper's jaw, correct? Was Wait, that the, was yeah, he yeah. the one? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was awful stuff. He yeah. was responsible for making that series one that was really entertaining to watch. Yeah. yeah, and as a Leaf fan at the time, I hated the Red Wings. So as much as Claude Lemieux was a very dirty, some whatever. I hated Detroit so much that I was like, at least he sparked it. Now we got a lot of fisticuffs going. There's a lot of, uh, I don't know, there's a lot of intensity. Like that series, those series between Detroit and Colorado were epic back in the day. Floyd Mayweather, just you just don't like his uh, flamboyancy or just? Uh, just the cockiness, the fact that he always seemed to dodge the big fights that might put him in danger of losing. I think he was just always like a, uh, picking easy fights and, and whatnot. And uh, he always hoped that guy gets knocked out, but he never does, you know? Brock, you seem to agree with that. He, yeah, the old, uh, five. Oh, is he? Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, let's... Uh, okay, let's see. Let's hear your five. All right. Uh, what I found in doing this is that I looked for, because I'm a football guy, I looked for football guys that I couldn't stand. And I found that I didn't really find any because football is one of those sports where if you're dirty or doing things uh borderline the next play there's an opportunity for you to get smoked to get redemption there's that hey all right let's go let's line up let's go with it hockey you know you can skate around and and just avoid guys same you know basketball is nothing there baseball is even worse um, so for me, football, I was really looking for somebody from football and it was really hard to do. The only guy I could come up with was in Dominic and Sue. Yeah. And it was, you know, based on, you know, plays of him trying to break O-line arms, uh, yeah. trying uh, kicking TJ Lang in the groin from the pile. Like just, he was, and probably still is, although he's older, a very dirty player. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> number six. Actually, Floyd was six. Floyd Mayweather was six. And again, same idea. He talked a big game about being undefeated, being the best, but never took on the fights where he'd actually have to prove himself. And it, his fights were never super entertaining either. He would just be, you know, being a lot quicker in some way. That's fine. But he never, like, fought anybody, in my opinion. And so that kind of stuff always bothered me. Number five, I got Roughnet Odor, the kid for the Rangers, um, from a baseball standpoint. You know, again, his face, his mannerisms, the way he like goes about his business, the way he tries to get under people's skin, you know, uh, coming up long on slides and, you know, throwing bombs at Batista and stuff like that, which was actually a really good throw of a punch. But um, those Texas series, he's the guy that I could not stand. Um, number four, I have John Rocker as well. And this was going back a little bit because this um, go ahead and, uh, mute Curdy there. Um, <laughs> so anyway, the way he used to run out, but I mean, his, uh, um, homophobic slurs and statements and the way he would act like he's just a trash human being, yeah. um, who was able to throw a ball fairly hard at the time, but just a, a piece of crap. Yeah. Um, number three, um, Maxime Lapierre was a guy that I could not stand. And he went from Montreal 
where he was a pain in the ass to yeah. Vancouver, which is another team that I wasn't a big fan of. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, just I could not stand Max Lapierre. Uh, number two is Draymond Green. So from a basketball standpoint, Draymond Green's a guy that I again, the way I make these lists is if I watch a certain player as a fan, I'm watching it, and I am dying to be the guy on the court or on the ice or whatever, just to say, coach, put me in for one shift. Just let me deal with them and then cut me and release me, whatever. Just let me get my hands on this guy. That's kind of how I made my list. So all these guys, I'm like, I just want a piece of you. Fair. Um, and Draymond Green was one of those guys, you know, again, I think he's overrated. I think he, you know, he played his role okay after a little while, but he was dragged along by superstars. And I just thought, you know, his mouth could, was running checks. He couldn't really cash. This is a guy who's supposed to be an athlete and he can't even make it as a tight end for Mrs., uh, Michigan State at the time. So I'm like, ah, get out of here. <laughs> anyway, Draymond Green, number two. And number one for me was Matt Cook. Um, I mean, the oh. guy ruined Eric Carlson's career. Has never been the same since. Um, he went knee to knee on Tyson Berry, multiple headshots, uh, suspended for elbowing guys like uh, Anisimov and Ryan McDonough. Sure. Uh, had that nasty hit on Sam Gagne. Anyway, it goes on and on. And for me, a guy like Matt Cook is the perfect example as to why NHL does need fighters and somebody to come in and say, you know what? I'm taking you out and that's it. That's my job is that you're now endangering our superstars. Somebody needs to come and do it very much like when Gretzky's era and McSorley and all those kind of guys. Uh, so Matt Cook is my number one. You know what? And I, I forgot about John Rocker and uh, and some of the crap that he had said and all that. Yeah, Matt Cook. I remember. I remember when that injury happened. I said this is going to take a long time for Carlson to recover. You don't just slice your Achilles or or that area of your foot and uh, be able to put on a skate as soon as it's healed. And and he, he had to learn how to. He had to relearn how to skate. Like he had to retrain himself. That was he uh, not been the same. Like he was so no. fast, so smooth, yeah. so everything, and now it's. Yeah. There's an effort into his skating. For sure. It's not the same. Oh, no doubt. Um, I'm going to give you my list. Do it. And, th and then you're going to play us out with, I'm sure you've got a great song uh, lined up. Uh, who knows what you got? You're going to surprise us. But uh, my list starts with the hockey guy, Brad Marchand. And yeah. you guys you guys named off a bunch of guys. You guys named off like Matt Cook. And you named off LaPierre and uh, the guys that Kurt mentioned. Like, really, I understand those guys, but none of those guys would would blow in guys' ears or like do do the things that Marchand did, um, like completely uh, unrelated to hockey. I mean, I'd almost rather a dirty guy than a guy who's gonna like whisper or spit on me or like blow in my ear in the on the faceoff circle. No, you know, I don't know. And like blowing on people, or whatever. Like, it's almost it's kind of like you know Avery's the Avery rule where he's in front of Brodeur and he's like facing him and doing all this kind of stuff and you know the stuff where he calls him oh look at the uh fatty not shaking my hand afterwards and just yeah like, yeah like okay you know whatever some people may find that amusing to a point but uh I mean I get it uh, and well Kurt mentioned rat faces I mean Brad, Brad Marshall actually is a human rat he is a rat. Uh, so anyway, he's on my list. He's number five on my list. Number four, I have uh, Vontez Burfik. Yeah, the guy just good, as the guy's hundred percent a lunatic. And you know he had a chance to, to re rejuvenate his career and in, uh, in um, I guess what is now Vegas, and he just pulled the same crap. He, he's it's a perfect he, example though of 
the football thing where you're like, you know what? Like, oh, I can't stand that guy. And then you see him get blindsided on a block or whatever it is. Did Juju Smith that hit him, I think? And then you feel bad for him a little bit. No, I, uh, no you don't feel bad. You're like, ah, it's very much like Batista's home run. You're like, yeah, there it is. I, I, I have so much anger towards the Rangers right now. I don't anymore. He hit the home run. We're good. But I don't feel bad. Yeah. Well, I, I don't feel bad for Burfitt uh, after he got smoked by Juju whatsoever. I was with you. I had a hard time finding football guys. I really, I mean, he, perfect. Just get under my skin from day one when he was uh, when he was with the Bengals, um, and then that whole playoff fiasco where he cost them. He literally cost them a playoff game. They should have beat Pittsburgh that year. Um, number three, I've got Bill Lane Beer. Um, You're old, yeah. Bill Lane Beer in the '80s. I couldn't even. I I don't know. I don't even know who I could compare him to. Like. No athletic ability at all. Just a brute. His job was to like be as dirty as you could be. If you watch, if you Google Bill Lane Beer clips, there's a couple where he basically clotheslines Larry Bird to the ground with like it's not no basketball play at all. Just basically, I'm gonna undercut you. I'm gonna like just be the greasiest player possible. And uh, he did. He hurt guys, and that's where I got a problem with. Um, do I respect him after his career? No. And he's one of the few guys who I, I mean, I, I even grew to like Rasheed Wallace at some point. Um, I, I haven't grown to respect Bill Lane Beer. And to this day, he still stands by as I'd do it again if I could. You know what? You had a good career, but you hurt guys. He, he actually hurt Isaiah Thomas in, in Thomas's last practice. And when Thomas said, okay, I think I'm done with basketball. It was a, it was a play where him and Lane Beer got into fisticuffs. So uh, that's a little tidbit. I'm not sure everybody knew about that. Number four, uh, number two, sorry, is Grayson Allen. Oh, uh, yeah, that's very good. But he's, yeah, uh, he, yeah, I haven't he, he did, one, but I just saw something on him where he, uh, is it Trey Williams? Uh, Trey Williams? Trey Young? Trey Young had posted a thing where, uh, it was a, a clip of Grayson like tripping him basically. Yeah, but if you look at if you look at Grayson Allen's history, he's he's tripped many people. Notorious for tripping people. In Duke, he did it. In uh, and Shashevsky had enough of them there. And then since he's been in the NBA, he's been doing it. He did it in preseason. I think they were playing Houston one game and uh, did it to a couple of Houston. Like he's just he and he strikes me as a silver spooty kind of kid who just doesn't hasn't learned his lesson yet. But in basketball, like you say, it's hard to feed a guy his own soup. Like in basketball, you don't you can't call on your enforcer unless you set a hard screen on the guy like he can do he can get away with that his whole career and he's Maybe just Serge Ibaka goes for a rebound next time they play. <laughs> well there are ways as you well know there are ways in basketball to get yours but he drives me insane so he's number two and number one on my list is me getting fouled out of our games most of the time because <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that was low-key a shot hey anyway. no I didn't mean it that way I'm sorry but uh you did get into foul trouble quite a bit oh yeah um Number one, this was hard because he's not an athlete, although his kids are. I have LeVar Ball as my number one uh, least favorite guy because he's he's sabotaging his kids, specifically LaMelo, who I, who I think is actually a decent ball player. I, I think he's better than Lonzo. Lonzo had a lot of potential coming out of UCLA, but like LeVar made him to be this huge, like the next coming of Magic Johnson and Jason Kidd. And he just never lived up to that in LA on a, on a young LA team at the time. And Lonzo, whether he ends up being, he's actually a pretty good shooter now. He's, he's adjusted his technique, but what could have been 
had he gotten off to a faster start in his career, I blame his dad. And his dad's still chirping about LaMelo. And then his other son, LiAngelo, got cut by the Pistons. And now he's on the Pistons for, like, it's, he's just, it's just awful stuff. It's awful for basketball. It's, it sets a bad precedent for parents who want to, like, push their kids to be better. Anyway, LeVar Ball is my number one. And I had honorable mentions to the, the Paul brothers, Jake and Logan. I don't even know if you consider yeah, them athletes. But. Exactly. You don't consider Ball an athlete anymore uh, for anybody we've watched the pauls are not athletes either like yeah you want to get into people you despise in life <laughs> this that's a whole other show whole other... more than happy to make a list of that 2021 that'll be on our list for sure i thought to be honest no offense to uh this gentleman but when you're like uh he's not an athlete but i thought james kelly he's getting on this number one <laughs> Love you, James. Um, but oh, anyway, yeah, again, you want a list of like random people and normal people that are not athletes of, of who we dislike. That can well, be a show. I'll put I balled those guys together in a in a package because of the Paul brothers. There might be having some bigger fights in the future, and I just I can't stand them. I hope Connor McGregor takes the fight. I hope Diaz takes a fight, and I hope these guys have their butts handed to them. Anyway, I'm ending 2020 on that note. It's so apropos. Brock, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been a great year. We're going to have another great year coming up, and I'll leave the final word to you, my friend. Yeah, I appreciate it. 2020 has come to an end. I hope everybody has a great New Year's Eve. Um, I'm going to ask you, I'm going to say, I'm putting going out to the number one song according to the Billboard Top 100 of 2020. Any idea what that song might be? Oh, uh, geez. Fight song? Uh, no, I don't even know what the fight song is. It's Ariana Grande and Lady Gaga, Rain On Me, according to Billboard Top 100. Okay. And we have a great New Year's Eve. I'm sure there's going to be some wicked DJs on Cap City Beats that night. We'll be tuning in while we have a few drinks, you know, maybe remote virtual parties through Zoom or whatever. But have, be safe. Enjoy the time you have. Family, friends, 2021 is going to be better. Let's just stick to the plan and tune in Tuesday night, 7 o'clock, right here.